Is your Christmas tree up yet? Mine has been up for a few weeks now. And I've noticed a lot of folks have set up their Christmas decorations earlier than usual this year. Our sense of time has become skewed over the course of the last seven months. We've had to learn how to navigate life in a pandemic, school shutdowns, stay-at-home orders, restricted social gatherings, economic issues, changing information and guidelines, isolation, loneliness, and so much more. Time has become a fuzzy concept. We long for the future, but the days all seem to blur together. Today, we begin not only that marathon of holidays from Thanksgiving to New Year's, but a new church season, the season of Advent. And it is the beginning of a new church year. While we are used to thinking about a new year in another month on December 31st, uh, it is brought to our attention today. Those ideas of resolutions and ways to improve our lives in the year ahead. Since time is weird right now, what would it be like to move that tradition of new beginnings, setting new goals and new aspirations to right now, this week, today, before Christmas? Our view of time has already been disrupted by the pandemic, so let's lean into that. Let's reorient our view of time and how we choose to live in that time in these weeks leading to Christmas. Today we're going to hear from Mark's Gospel, a section often classified as apocalyptic literature. Reverend Dr. Caroline Lewis reminds us that when this kind of literature shows up, time is changing and it's time to pay attention. Not to prepare for the end of time, as this genre is so frequently misunderstood, but to expect the revelation of God in our time. So let's jump into the story. Jesus is talking to his disciples and has predicted the destruction of the temple. He's on his way toward the cross, and he's trying to share a message of hope with his disciples. That even in the midst of death, and despair and unexpected destruction and disruption of what they know and love and understand as normal, they can hold fast to God's unfolding restoration of the world. Then he describes the signs that will tell the disciples how to recognize that this time is upon them. You can read the whole section in Mark chapter 13 I'm going to focus on verses 32 through 37. Jesus says, But about that day or hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. So as we enter into Advent, we might be wondering, why are we reading this? Aren't we waiting for sweet little six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus? 
Well, yes and no. We remember Jesus' birth at Christmas, but we are also waiting and watching for Jesus to show up with us here and now. Advent means coming or arrival. Think about all the ways you prepare for someone to arrive at your home. When you know that they are coming, how do you get ready? You probably use your time differently. You probably live in a different way as you anticipate their arrival. Advent is asking us to live in this time in that way too. This is highlighted in much of the music we love at this time of year. And one of my favorites is an Advent song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. The music is so haunting and the words are such a deep plea. But have you ever really thought about what we're asking when we sing this traditional hymn? Once again, Dr. Lewis helps us think about this. She tells us that as we move into Mark's gospel, we need to remind ourselves of the theological premise that grounds Mark's story of Jesus. We need to think about the bigger picture that Mark has in mind as he's telling Jesus' story. And the frame of this gospel is the link between the baptism of Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus. And the same phrase is used only in these two places. The phrase torn apart. The Greek word for that is schizo. And it's only used to describe what happened to the heavens at Jesus' baptism and then for the ripping of the temple curtain at Jesus' death. Dr. Lewis says this is no tame opening. Anything that can simply be opened can easily be shut again, and we would never know it happened. But she warns, lest we think that God can be let out for a little while, but when we've had enough put back behind closed doors, Mark's gospel rips that image apart. That which separates us from God, either the heavens or the holy of holies, has been torn asunder and can never go back to the way it was before. Book ending this gospel is the conviction that there is no keeping God at a distance anymore. God is not and will not be where we expect to find God. And if this is true for the disciples, and if this is true for us, that God is no longer present where we expect God to be, whether it's in a destroyed temple or a closed church building, then what do we do? Author Barbara Brown Taylor asks us this striking question. Do we build God a house so we can choose to go see God? Do we build God a house in lieu of having God stay at ours? I mean, having God stay in our homes, truly dwelling with God means there's an almost uncomfortable intimacy. Think about the first time you went and stayed at somebody's house. And when you got up in the morning, you got all ready, fully dressed, hair, comb, teeth brushed before you even stepped foot in the kitchen for that cup of coffee. When I was growing up, we used to beg my mom to host a foreign exchange student, but she always said no because she didn't want to have to always have her hostess 
persona on, you know, where you have to be nice and kind and polite, not showing anger or irritation or even just having a bad day because you're trying to be welcoming to this person you don't know very well. I think we can sometimes feel the same way about Jesus. Like we have to be on our best behavior, wearing our best Sunday clothes, presenting ourselves in the best light, having everything perfectly ready. But that gets tiring. And that's not real, is it? Sometimes we just want to wear baggy sweatpants and go without a shower and be crabby while we watch terrible television, right? Sometimes we just want to make, let the kids make a mess and not worry about cleaning it up right away. Sometimes we just want to have a pity party. And who wants Jesus to show up in those moments? But here's the thing. Those moments are real life. And the more time we spend with someone, sharing the same space, bumping into one another in the tiny bathroom as you try to get ready at the same time in the morning, or fighting for space in the kitchen as you try to unload the dishwasher and someone else is trying to cook dinner at the same time, those personas that we put on, those carefully curated pictures of who we are, begin to dissolve. The more we grow in a relationship, the more willing we are to come out of the guest room in just our jammies with our slept on hair, no makeup and morning breath to get that first cup of coffee. The intimacy is transformed simply by spending time together. And it's the same way in our relationship with Jesus. So this week, I'd like to invite you to make a New Year's resolution a way that you will live differently during this time to support your deepening relationship with Jesus. Your resolution could be something like having communion each week around your dining table with your household. It could be trying a devotion for the Advent season. We have resources for both of these things available on our website. It could be committing to a time of journaling and prayer each day or a walk around the block in God's beautiful creation. It could even be doing a household member's chore for them each week of Advent as an act of service. Whatever you resolve to do, bring your whole self to it. Not just the Sunday morning version, but the Monday morning and Friday evening version too. And then share what you've resolved to do on our Facebook page throughout the week. We would love to hear your plans and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. One last piece of wisdom from Dr. Lewis that will help us remember why we are taking on this new way of living. She says, we find God in everything it means to be human, even death. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. No longer will God remain in the heavens or behind a curtain high up on a hill. God becomes us to bring life to that which would surely die and to bring a new heaven and a new earth to the moments when the sufferings and despair of our earthly life is more than we can bear.
Advent gives us the time and the space, once again, to live out this reality. May this Advent be a time of renewal and being made ready for whatever comes next, confident that God is with us even now. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Amen.